I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. Here's the Fangirls on Jackalope Radio. Welcome, everybody, to the latest and greatest episode of Fangirl Radio. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and with me tonight is the lovely and talented Rachel Moore. Good evening, Fangirls. And also with us, as always, is our ghostly ghost, Amanda. She's in the background, and she's saying hi. Um, tonight's episode is a really special one. I'm very, very excited because we've got two very special guests. Um, the soon-to-be-released, actually I believe it's premiering this weekend, um, is the uh, awesome film The Ghastly Love of Johnny X, which has been um, floating around um, for a couple of years now. We had a, a trailer that was released um, a couple of years back, and... Um, it whetted everybody's appetites for this movie. It's a gorgeous throwback uh, musical, half half sci-fi, half partly horror, and all 50s greaser awesomeness. And uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's written, directed, and produced by Paul Bunnell, and stars Will Keenan as Johnny X, Creed Bratton's in it, and you may know him from The Office as Mickey O'Flynn, um, this uh, a 50s... Uh, you know, Slicer, uh, uh, Stringer, and Reggie Bannister, who everyone in the horror world knows from the one awesome Phantasm. Um, but it's a great, great film, and we're going to have Will Keenan on, as well as Paul, to talk about the movie. Um, I've been pushing some pictures online um, from the fil- from the flick, and it's just a gorgeous, yummy black and white romp. And I really love how they filmed it. It looks great. We got to see a preview of it ourselves here. Uh, Rachel and I did, um, and it's just a great, a great film, and just beautiful and a nice little homage to those old old school flicks. So. Um, those are our guests tonight. I, I can't wait to talk to uh, Crete, or talk to Will and Paul about the movie. So it's going to be a great flick and great time. Um, also, um, we have to get into our week in geek, though. Um, so we had some just even today. I know this uh, the show is going to be on on Thursday, but we had some some interesting things announced. Um, not just. But, uh, oh, yes, the lovely and talented uh, David Morrissey <laughs> is the governor. <laughs> um, but uh, you might know uh, David Morrissey uh, from Doctor Who, and uh, he was very dashing, and I kind of wish he... Uh, Matt Smith won me over, but I was going to be on tra- on board for the uh, Team Morrissey. Uh, Team Morrissey, I was... All emo. Yeah. 
Team Morrissey is a sad, sad team. <laughs> it's going to sit in the corner team. and be sad with itself. And cut itself a couple of times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? What? No, don't, don't judge me. I'll cut myself. No, um, but... Uh, <laughs> But I uh, I was very excited to hear about him being cast as the governor. Um, I'm not sure if it will hit. I, it won't be this season. I'm sure they're going to be setting that up for next season because I only believe there's only a, I think there's only a couple of episodes left um, in The Walking Dead this season at this point. Um, but it was it was great to hear that they're bringing that character on. He's probably one of the most bad baddies in the history of comics. Um, very twisted. I know there was a lot of people out there rooting for t- Tom Savini to take the part. Um, and he does look like him. I He probably would have been a fun version of the, the governor. But I think Morrissey is going to br- bring this very dark, very serious and um, heavy presence to the role. He's a very, he's a tall guy anyway. I mean, he's got an imposing presence when he's on screen. Um, I mean, he towered over David Tennant, and David Tennant is not a short man. Um, but he's also just got a great stage presence. He's a theater actor as well as, you know, the one of the better um, British actors right now um, on television and on screen. Um, we do not talk of Basic Instinct 2, though. No. <laughs> oh! Um, but, uh, you read my mind so well. <laughs> But he also carried uh, Viva Blackpool, which I know Rachel knows him from, um, and Ren, um, if she was here, would know him from. Um, and uh, he just, he's, and he's also, if you go, um, I actually, um, on, fa- on my Facebook page, I posted um, a clip of him as Macbeth, uh, where he had done um, uh, the role. It's actually available to download if you go out on the digital theater um, from uh, I cannot remember if it was the British the British theater um, has a digital theater download where you can actually purchase live recordings of the stage plays and they have of course much to do about nothing with David Tennant but they also have this available if you want to get a good visual of him as he will probably look as the governor he's got the full beard and everything um and uh, just a dark, deep story from Shakespeare to give you a nice taste of uh, him doing bad things. And uh, it's... <laughs> which is always awesome. You say it with relish. I say it with relish, yes. Because it's going to be good and tasty and mean. Um, but yes. So, and speaking of The Walking Dead, uh, I had just give a little recap of the last episode. Um which I thought was, that was your Oscar segue. I was no, gonna... you know that's that's coming up. <laughs> I, I think we've run out of jokes to do uh, comparing the the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences to shambling corpses. I I I think that that has been done and done. So, yeah, um, but my this is my not so smooth segue into talking about last uh, yesterday's Walking Dead, um, but. Um, Seeing two very uh, good-looking and sweaty men fighting it out over the love of a woman. No, you can't go wrong. Um, but uh, it was a great episode. We got to see Rick uh, really, you know, he put it out there for Shane and told him 
look, either you're you're with me or or you're you're done. They hinted at something that you know everybody's been trying to figure out what this the guy at the CDC. I don't know, Rachel. Did you catch that? Did you catch the first season of Walking Dead? Did you see it all? I I did. Okay. I did. Now remember, um, the CDC guy whispers into Rick's ear. Mm-hmm. And you don't you don't remember, no one knows really what he said. Now a lot of conjecture has been made that he had whispered that um she's pregnant, which we found out that wasn't the surprise and, and right. if it had been that then he Rick would have known way before he did that, that Lori was right. pregnant. Um so what I think at this point, you know, when we figured that out, everyone's trying to figure out what the hell did he say. I at this point I think he told him it's airborne or it's you know we're all infected um or there it's not just the bite or something like that something to hint that I guess um because what they've now gotten to is um in this episode Rick finds two um it looks like two cops which kind of leads him to his rescue of, of, of Shane who he kind of left behind to die because he was sick of him um, they you know they remi- it reminded him of him and Shane but there were no bite marks on these zombies there was there was no sign that they had been bitten they're trying to say that it was scratches now can infect you but there was no visible signs of how they died well, it'll be interesting to see how how closely they follow the graphic novels in this respect. Right. Well, and, and that's, well, and you know, kind of in the way this was how it was done in, um, you know, night of the living dead. You never really knew it was like, there was some hints that it was some sort of satellite thing or, but it was all airborne. There was no explanation. You, you died, right. didn't have to be bitten and you came back. And so this kind of leads credence to my, if the baby dies inside her, <laughs> It's going to eat its way out, which would be awesome because I <laughs> really don't love. like Lori. I don't like Lori at, any, at all. I never really did. And um, this episode kind of solidified me not liking her um, because um, she she says some stuff to Lori Holden's character. I always, get, I always want to say Lori, but that's not her name in this. Um, Andrea. Uh, I, uh, Andrea... There was a scene where the, you know, very reminiscent of how she was about after the death of her sister, um, wanting to kill herself. Andrea does what probably really needed to happen, which was give the girl her, her choice because you, you know, if she wants to kill herself, she's going to end up doing it. I mean, you really can't keep an eye on her 24 7. This, um, and so she ends up. Um, being right, the girl doesn't want to really die, and you know, tough lesson learned. But lesson is learned, and Lori gets all pious and mighty, and Andrea, you know, throws it down to Lori that you know how you know I've lost everyone that I cared about. You have your husband who came back after you thought he was dead. Your your son still is alive. You're having a effing baby. Where is your life so horrible at this point? You know, how do you get off telling her, stay positive, when you have all you want still in this life, and she's lost her mother, and I think it was her brother as well, you know, and and here, um, uh, 
she's lost her, every all her family completely. And her choice was taken from her when she wanted to die. So, you know, The Walking Dead is really, um, you know, people want to just write it off as a, as a zombie show. But it's really not. There's some deep, deep psychological stuff going on in this. And, um, you know, you know, not just psychological, but, you know, religious overtones are in there. And just, you know, philosophical stuff, too. So it's just, there's some dark stuff going on in the show. And I'm not talking about zombie guts. And uh, it's... I just love it for that, and it's it's really up in the game. It's some of the best TV right now out there. So that was my recap, my long <laughs> recap of The Walking Dead. Um, but I have let's move on to something not quite as dark and dire, but um, still not talking about the Oscars because uh, that was pretty dark and dire in its own way. <laughs> but um, but the rumor that I. <laughs> Yes, Rachel, you're allowed to squeeze. Um, the rumor... It's so close to my dream casting. It's not my dream casting, but it's so close. Did I not post, like, a picture of of this man and Michael Fassbender, but... But I I give them... I gave them the wrong title. Um, uh, possible for the 50th... 50... 50 people? Screw you, Battlestar Galactica. Let's see if you make it 50 years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, the 50th anniversary episode. The rumor is, and I hope and pray this is true because it would make me so happy, is that the Master, who will be returning, and sadly it's not John Sim. Um, but, but you know, he was burned in a pyre, so that kind of... Well, actually, no, he got this burned in a pyre. good and, news and, already. I'm dying Sorry, here. sorry, sorry. Sorry. I, uh, how this could be. Benedict Cumberbatch is the master. I, it, I'm really hoping it's a true rumor. Even though oh. I want to play the doctor, I would take anything. I would take it. Matt Smith is still playing the doctor and will be in this. You know that. <sighs> I know. But... But, but I like Matt Smith. That wasn't a sad sigh for Matt Smith. It's just the fact that Benedict Cumberbatch doing anything Whovian is basically my fangirl fantasy. And you there and will be many much other fainting. women um, and boys. Um, the the thing that's so awesome about this, though, leads credence to it is the fact that he works with Stephen Moffat all the time mm-hmm. on on uh, Sherlock. You know, and we've had Mark Gaddis show up and write for Doctor Who. I mean, they're all interconnected. So it's very, very feasible that this is true, that he will be playing the master. And holy God in heaven, bless thee, Rassilon. Oh, yes, it would be so good. <laughs> it would be so good. So awesome. Um, but yes, he would... Yeah, and and also on top of that, you know, they just released the um, they just released the pictures behind the scenes photos, which actually um, uh, the filmmakers were not too thrilled about these leaks. But you know, it's it it is what it is of uh, behind the scenes Star Trek footage, and 
uh, the pictures that were released of the, I guess this is the Cumberbatch report. We'll be calling this part of the show. Um, the, uh, they, uh, they show him wearing a Starfleet uniform and he, it's a black Starfleet uniform. Now the rumor has gone from, because they still haven't released who he's playing. You know, the big rumor was he was Khan, but, um, now the big rumor is he's playing a version of um, Gary, and I'm God, I'm blanking on the name again. Uh, from the first, I want to say it's not Gary Marshall. Oh God, I'm horrible because I love this guy. <laughs> um, uh, now I have to look it up. But um, anyway, he's playing this character named Gary, who was in uh, one of the first episodes of Star Trek, who ends up getting a. Uh, powers almost godlike powers and he uh winds up uh almost destroying the enterprise but he what the problem was he was super super good friends with kirk and he winds up um he gets these glowing silver eyes and what it happens when they go through a, a nebula i believe of some kind and um anyway he and this girl the blonde girl get um get these powers as well and they wind up um the kirk and company get the the girl to help stop him and they end up killing one another so it's very tragic um some of the best track i loved it absolutely loved it and um so what they're thinking because of how his uniform looks and this whole thing where spock can't stop him it's him and spot going to blows and all this which made all the girls and boys go goo goo um is that that's what's going on here and i don't know we'll see i still would love to have him be con you know so far if i've somehow your magic has rubbed off on me and my castings are starting to happen so (laughs) i'm you know neil gaiman's developing the american gods for hbo i'm just putting it out there Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, he belongs in a in a game and um, production of some sort. So, you know, just just rubbing your mojo. Well, he's already, wrong. he's already in Star Trek, but... And I'm sorry, it's Gary Mitchell. I thought it was Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. I didn't... Sure. But anyway, he, um, he was a great... I, I, some sexy, sexy Star Trek there, and that would be fine with me, with, you know, Benedict being Gary Mitchell. But we'll find out eventually. Someone's got to leak who he is in this. And, and if he's con, yay, I'm good with that. Um, so, well, we got to talk about the Oscars. We got, oh. we got a few minutes before we bring on our guests, so we have to talk about the Oscars. Can I be honest and say that I just waited and looked, watched all the highlights and I didn't actually watch the Oscars because... I have refused to watch the full ops, Oscars till that uh, since Pan's Labyrinth lost to um to that french movie <laughs> oh the yeah yeah the one yeah that yeah um and so i haven't watched since then so now i'll watch the highlights you know i'll look up who won everything but i think we all knew gary oldman wasn't going to win and that was just another thing that i just couldn't watch I couldn't watch him lose. As much as The Artist, I haven't seen it yet. It looks like the kind of movie I love. I'm sure it was a great performance. But Gary Oldman, this is the first time he's been nominated. Well, I didn't know this, but I think it was the first time that Christopher Plummer had been nominated, too. And he's never won one until 
till that night. Yeah, it was his first. It was his first Oscar, and you have to realize that Sound of Music was fifty years ago. I know, and I don't even think he was nominated for that. And he's done so many amazing things. Now, granted, for most people, Christopher Plummer is probably better known for theater, but anything he's been in, he's just been amazing. And so we know that the Weinsteins basically own the Oscars. That's how it is. Yeah, that's really what it is. And it gets old. It gets so old. Well, and they've had such... uh, you know, people gave Daniel Radcliffe a hard time because he talks about the lack of nods that um, Harry Potter got over the years. And the truth is, they're so biased against genre stuff. I was just on Pinterest and somebody had repinned this great thing, and it's um, it shows Ralph Fiennes or Ray Fiennes and his transformation into Voldemort, no Oscar nom. <laughs> Meryl Streep well, into Margaret Thatcher, winner. Yeah, and and the thing that kills me is, you know, even, we know we wouldn't have won, but to waste, I'm sorry, everybody's like, Moneyball, Jonah Hill, Alan Rickman, <laughs> okay, <laughs> if Alan Rickman had just, just even nominated him, give him that slot, okay, for just all the work, he's never been nominated for Jack. And I'm sorry, An Awfully Big Adventure, it's a devastating film. He's brilliant in it. It's so depressing, but he's so good. And the the fact that they screwed him on that after all the work he did. Now, I know he wouldn't have won for Snape, but come on. He made that character alive. The reason that character existed was him. So it just, you know, I, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I mean, and then you have Martin Scorsese's Hugo, which was uh, uh, far, to me, far more original um, g- uh, homage to classic cinema than I, the artist. I, I have to, I haven't seen the artist, and it looks like something I'll really enjoy, so I can't judge that yet. Um, I can say that I think it, it was a fierce contender, and it if... You know, the artist has to be quite a movie to to blow that away for me. So I'm looking yeah, forward I mean, to seeing the artist, just because I feel like I didn't really have a chance. It was right under my radar until it started getting nominated for stuff, and then I was like, "What?" Well, I've known about it, but I and well, yeah. no, I haven't yet seen it. But yeah. but to me, it's a gimmick flick. It's a gimmick flick. Yeah, and, but you and, know, you but can... it's it's a good gimmick flick. Good gimmick flick. Don't get me wrong. I I'm sure it is, but. When you have, I mean, what Hugo did visually and tonally and, and, and what Scorsese did for his love of that, it was very, it was an original creation. You know, yes, it was based off of a book, but he took it and created something amazing. I had never, I would not seen this kind of thing before about film. The artist uses pre-existing music and and so you know, it, it, I just I'm sorry, but I'll see it. Maybe I should reserve my judgment on it. I, I think but, so because I think I, just the parts I've seen, and I I I won't judge it that harshly yet because I I just can't. We've been surprised so much in the last two years with some of these, um, you know, concept movies that I I can't do that. I think it's difficult. Just because um, it was such an unbalanced, 
amount the, the wins were so unbalanced to me overall like you'd have one that yes of course that's the winner and then you'd have one that who is that and why should i care so for me i think it was just a weird oscars it makes you question anything that i haven't seen I, i'm going really because levy and rose when when levy and rose beat pan's labyrinth it was the end for me. That, to me, was the epitome of it. And I feel like the Gary Oldman debacle is is there again. Not that he, the person who won wasn't awesome. It's just the fact that Gary Oldman's overdue, you know. Oh, totally. Well, we're, we're going to move on to, to better better areas of discussion. <laughs> we're going to bring on our guests here in just a moment. Um, I just want to give everybody a, a little bit of uh, a little bit extra info here and um, on... Uh, the film and the filmmakers. So, Ghastly Love of Johnny X um, is, it actually has Paul Williams as uh, a movie or a uh, TV talk show host. He It also has uh, uh, Kate Maberly's uh, in it. Who yes. was a famous child actress. She played um, Mary in The Secret Garden. She's been in a lot of things. She's le- recently been at the booth at the end. Um and it which, also has. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Which is, and I just want to highlight that because she's making some interesting choices, and she's somebody really to watch right now. But it's very noir. I mean, it has the sci-fi, you know, kind of. Um, it's a little bit reefer madness meets lost skeleton. Well, and it also it it has the distinction of being the final film that Kevin McCarthy made. Yeah. And Kevin McCarthy, um, many horror fans, sci-fi fans, this is the man that that is the reason that you, you know, are freak out over any alien invasion film. Because he is the man from the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And, uh, you know, he that famous ending scene of him um, freaking out on the freeway. They're here already. They're here. It's just, you know, the stuff of legend. Um, so, and he, this was his final film performance and he's, he's an alien of all things, which is brilliant. Um, but, uh, let's go ahead and give Paul, uh, get Paul on the line. Paul Bunnell is the man responsible for Johnny X. He wrote, directed, and produced it. Hello. Hi, is this Paul? Why, yes, it is. Hi, Paul. It's Jessica and Rachel and the ghostly Amanda, um, and we're here on Fangirl Radio. Amanda died? What, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Amanda Amanda cannot be heard by anyone except for us. Uh, so oh, well, bless her heart. It's sort of like Harvey in that picture with Jimmy Stewart. You know? <laughs> exactly. He was the only one that can really see the, uh, the invisible rabbit. Uh, exactly. So I'll just take your word for it that this uh, person exists. <laughs> Amanda, now, would you be wanting on? to contact uh, William Keenan? Yes, that is who we are bringing on next. Bless his heart. Well, <laughs> he'll charge me for I'll, I'll get a bill in the mail from him later. <laughs> you know. I'm going yeah. to allow you to rag on him as much as you want, Paul. Oh, that's okay. He's, uh... Hi there. You mean to tell me that I'm speaking with Billy Bakshi himself? <laughs> <laughs> this is unbelievable. No. Hello there, Billy. No. How are you? Good to hear from you. Yeah. Well, good. Isn't you advanced popular, suppose? These girls were able to see this uh, picture via the uh, World Wide Web. Uh, I do oh. have a, a, a secret uh, link on there, 
where I uh, send it to people when I feel like torturing someone. We have with us tonight um, Paul Bunnell and Will Keenan from the Ghastly Loves of Johnny X. So Hello, my name have... is Will Keenan. I'm Paul Bunnell. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Now, hold on a minute. I'm Will Keenan, and he's Paul Bunnell. Mm, no <laughs> Sorry, I messed up your thing, but go for it. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what this is how the, well, this is how the interview is going to go for the rest of the night, so just settle back. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Kick back, relax, and enjoy the interview. Exactly. And, and we'll try to confuse you as much as we're already confused. <laughs> yes. Okay, so, so let's um, start at the beginning. So tell me, fangirls, what is it like doing a radio... Oh, wait a minute. They're interviewing us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Paul. <laughs> He warned me this is how it was going to go, so I'm not surprised. Right. I, I saw the questions. movie, so I don't know why you're acting surprised at all. I, I, just, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. What did you think of the movie, Fangirl? I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was a great little homage to um, classic sci-fi and 50s um, teen greaser flicks, and I just loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. You, 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 got, you beat me over at Musical. <laughs> that's that's really I I enjoyed the the music number so much I can't even tell you I had a great time yeah. so, my, oh, bet is, my bet is, is, is going to be the last black and white widescreen musical ever made aw that's sad well I'm just, so I can make another one if you want I mean just please don't please don't <laughs> <laughs> It was funny because it, it is kind of an interesting movie to describe. And I, my husband said, well, what, what were you watching up there? And I said, it's kind of, but not really, like Reefer Madness meets Lost Skeleton. And so, hmm. and he went, I can't even picture what that's like. So it's kind of really interesting to me that you, you've created such a specific genre for it. Um I like There's to call it uh, a cross between uh, John Waters' Crybaby and uh, the original Frankenstein. Oh, that that works too, yeah. Yeah, I was because that, those are little... my references. And you know why I wouldn't call it a cross between... Well, I wouldn't compare it to The Lost Skeleton, and I know Larry, and he's a good friend of mine, And uh, but, you know, his films are a little more on the spoofy end, and, and they're yeah. great. But when I did Johnny X, I really tried to put some sincerity in there. It's not like I was trying to spoof anything at all. Right. We were just trying to do something original and, and contemporary, and uh, we were trying to do something with sincerity. So I got the most sincere fellow I could find on the planet, and his name is Will Keenan. And he and played. Bakshi. Yeah, Billy Back, AK. You know, Paul, you know, I purposely didn't watch any of the old movies that people were referencing for that very reason alone, because I'm kind of a, a mimic. And had I seen all those old movies, I think I would have <clears throat> put in a very kind of campy performance when I was really kind of. Excited that I finally got to play the strong, silent type. Whereas <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. usually cast as the crazy, loud type. Well, you did a great job. You know, I mean, with, with what you uh, had to work with, and I apologize for that script. But uh, you know, <laughs> I just want to say that uh, no, it you know, you're the only, you're the only uh, production that I never uh, changed all my lines. Normally, for every movie I do, I change all my own lines and shut the set, and the directors and the writers and everyone freaks out. Well, gee, uh, I didn't touch you, Paul. Well, that's a compliment, I think. Either that or he just didn't care, you know. But I, 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 I think it was great. It was great working with Will Keenan because uh, I'll tell you, when I, when I first uh, met Will Keenan, uh, he was the exact look that I had envisioned for the part. 
get some money one more time. What's that? <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was just he was just wonderful. And um, so, uh, you know. So you, he, cast me, you cast me for my looks? I cast you for your looks, yeah. You, you had not, not anything to do with talent. Okay. Yeah. I can see. No, 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 no. Because, uh, no, remember we met at that Bob's Big Boy over there in Toluca Lake? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, and, and I ordered uh, up a nice cherry Coke there, and uh, <laughs> and I think uh, Will, uh, Billy Keenan got a, got a burger or something. <laughs> no. Oh, you're a vegetarian. That's right. That's right. He's a veggie. He's a veggie. He got a Veggie Works uh, burrito or something, you know. Yeah. yeah. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Any other questions? Well, I was gonna. I, I actually, I actually have a couple. I actually have a couple, but I actually wanted to compliment Will on on the scene where you were, um, you were basically finding your father. That that actually, you know, where you were talking about the sincerity and everything. That was a beautifully done scene, and you were emoting just wonderfully. I, I it was very touching, and just that that how you shot that with his face in the light. And his eyes sort of like reflecting the the candlelight and just the tears in them. That was gorgeous. Well, Thank we, you. Should we tell him the truth about that scene? Why you were so upset in real life? You know, when, well, I forget. <laughs> well, you know, Will was crying. You know, and, and it worked so beautiful for the film. But I had just given him the news that uh, uh, fill in bad joke here. You know. <laughs> 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 no, in fact, that was the first time. Uh, I actually, I think it is Paul. The first time I, it was like real tears on, on screen. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Tears of a clown, I guess you could say. Yeah. No, it was, it was great. I'll be, bringing, I'll be bringing my real father, my birth father, to the premiere in San Jose at Cinequest. Oh, you're kidding. Wow, that's, that's terrific. Yeah. I better be I mean, on my best behavior. This is the way to kind of uh, communicate to him my feelings. Wow. Aww. <laughs> Well, you know, the thing with that whole father scene, uh, originally in the script, uh, Mickey O'Flynn was not uh, Johnny X's father. That's something that I added in a little bit later, because my own dad died, and uh, the thing of it is, uh, in that particular scene, uh, it was very personal for me, because, uh, you know, that was sort of a way to bring my dad back. I thought that, uh, you know, getting to say something to my dad, and... Uh, See, that's the thing with this movie. You know, you look at it, it's a quirky, weird comedy, sort of. But to me, you know, the, it, it, it's a very, very serious subject matter. There's lots of interpersonal relationships going on throughout the film with different guys and gals that really is my story. But I would never really explain that or, or divulge much. But, you know, that the thing with the whole father-son uh, relationship and Johnny X had a lot to do with uh, my own... Um, even though there were four writers, that's one of the things that I sort of wanted to put in there because, uh, you know, I felt it was important and it meant something to me, you know. Aww. Oh, my goodness. Did I just give away the plot? Holy mackerel. <laughs> Spoilers. Oh, no. <laughs> but I, I was going to say that, you know, that, that scene for sure, I know with the, the you're tearing me apart, uh, very much referenced, you know, um, uh, the, the old, the, the James Well, Dean that was a films. line right out of uh, you know, James uh, Dean, you know. Yeah, and, and but those films that this is sort of an homage to as well totally had those storylines. So it's, it's you know, it's got its place in, within this. You, you kind of grab everything out of the 50s and put into this film, and you weave it very well. That's because Paul is stuck in the 50s. You should see his house, <laughs> you should see his car, you should see what the hell he wears. And you should also know that I don't own a cell phone. He does not. He has a home answering machine. 
Hey, can I tell you something that, you know, that this is going to shock all of you, and I, I, don't, I think Will knows this, but Johnny X does not take place in the 1950s. I mean, uh, <laughs> no, no, did you know that, right, Will? I mean, uh, yeah, it doesn't take place in the 1950s. It's, it's yeah. sort of an alt- it's sort of a, what do you want to call it, a, you know, a, you know an alternate history? sort of a thing, but, you know, it's the my... Planet, the planet the gang is from is stuck in the 50s. That's right. So the, originally the gang has a 50 sensibility to them, and, and there are a couple of clues in the movies that obviously you could see uh, the, the, the midgets... They're, they, we have some midgets. Yo, yo, yo. We have some midgets. I love that. <laughs> I love midgets, you know. <laughs> no, 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 wait a minute. No, because God bless their little hearts, and they are small. I love these little creatures because... What? Are we stopping? What happened? You gotta stop there. You can't say that shit, man. Oh, God bless them, you know. You know what midget really stands for? P.T. Barnum came up with that term. It's a cross between a widget and minuscule. That's what oh, widget means. God. And they, for some reason, are offended by that word, you know? Uh, I, I'm in trouble by association. My goodness sakes. Uh, girls, did we lose you? <laughs> I, I think we lost the girls. I can't believe you. We call them... Well, well, anyway, the, okay, the little people, which I so graciously changed, it said midget in the script, but when they came onto the set, I changed those sides to say little person, you know, just to, so they wouldn't be upset. And then the other guy said, and then the little guy said, well, actually, I'm called a dwarf, you know, so we'll go figure, right, you know, can't make anybody happy on that thing. But just to give you a really quick, to get back to my point. The, the, the little the, they were carrying water bottles. Now they didn't have water bottles in the fifties. And Paul Williams, who plays Cousin Quilty, has a pierced ear. Now you wouldn't mm-hmm. see guys wearing pierced ears in an earring in the nineteen fifties. So those are your clues, <laughs> right there, right there. I guess it's my kind of take on what I would like to see. I don't like to put any references to computers, cell phones. Uh, in any movie, you know, if I were to do a direct the next a Mission Impossible film, I think they'd be uh, having a lot of problems with me. Yeah. So, so that, that's to say that you're you're limiting yourself as a director, right? No, like, no, I don't. don't look like this in the fifties. No, <laughs> I could certainly do it. I'm just messing with you. You know. Uh, okay. so, I'm sorry, girls. Like we totally dominated your show, and have a great night. <laughs> <laughs> no, but why why is that important to you, in especially in this piece? I am the that Paul had a traumatic experience when he was when he was born, and he got stuck there back there. You when you were born, right, Paul? I I was born in the sixties. So why are you obsessed with the fifties? I grew up in the seventies. I grew up in the seventies. Uh, you know, I'm not that much. Well, anyway, I'm not going to give any age references here. So when, when did you become obsessed with the fifties? I, I, you know, I'm not obsessed with the fifties. That's the funny thing. I love. Actually, I prefer the sixties, uh, which is actually my period. You know, but um, uh, I, I didn't really know the sixties. I, I knew the seventies. That's when I was a kid. It was in, into the seventies. Um, but you know, I love the old stuff because you know what it is. You've got chrome and design, and it seemed like around 1955 was the perfect year because you've got all this wonderful, you know, we're between wars, and, you know, it was just a beautiful thing. It was just all of this design and uh, architecture, and the cars were beautiful, and the, and the diners, you know, and so those are the sorts of things. And there was the naivety to, to that period of time, you know. I mean, there were certainly a lot of bad things happening, like you know, the lack of civil rights and that sort of thing, but... Uh, I, I just there was there, there was a naivete to the 1950s that I tend to uh, gravitate towards. You know, yeah. I just love it. Ignorance is bliss. 
Speaking of Bliss, wasn't she a wonderful actress in that picture? Yeah, she was great. She was wonderful. Deanna Joy Brooks. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen. There, and who's having a baby right now. What? Yeah. Really? Yes, she is. She's going to be, hey, she's having her baby about the same time my baby's going to be born. When we premiere the movie on March 3rd, my baby, meaning my movie. Oh, okay, okay. I'm not having a baby. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having a baby anyway. Maybe it's my baby she's having. I don't know. I have no idea. You know. Wow. She really, she really is having a baby. She, honest to goodness, is. And, and you know who the father is? What the name of the father is? What? Paul. No. That's her husband. That's her husband, Paul. You know. Williams. I mean, I'm not kidding. When did she get married? She got married kind of right around the time of the cast and crew screening, and then they kind of got you know she got oh. you know had a pregnancy happen, and uh, how that works, and. Uh, you know, and, and, and there you have it, you know. God bless her heart. I loved her, but, you know, she's got to just, she's got to come back, you know. She's got to come back and do more films. Okay, girls, now that we totally ruined the show, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, well, I actually had, I had, I actually had a question. I just think we should How are babies made? The rest How are babies made? No. <laughs> well, you're going to have to explain. Well, Keenan is the expert there. <laughs> He's got more practice at it than I do, right? You know. wow. uh, no, no, actually, uh, seriously, I actually had to ask about working with Kevin McCarthy because he's a dear, dear man to my heart, and, I, and this was, I believe, his final film, so I just wanted to ask yeah. about working with well, him. Well, I'm, I'm going to let Will Keenan answer that question because he worked uh, with him uh, directly. Yeah, he's, you know, Kevin's obviously a legend and when we first shot those scenes with him can I say Paul how long ago they were yeah you can say that it was, it was, it was years ago and yeah. um what a body of work you know, and I learned so much from him just sitting in uh you know in holding and, or you know getting craft services it was just kind of like his experience and his wisdom and his talent just kind of just kind of like uh you know just kind of rolled right off him onto us and the set and kind of the bar was raised when he was on set and we were all very respectful and and it was wonderful to, to work with him and, and he, I think he's great in the movie and we'll miss him I mean he died right before he died right before it was finished but I will say that I, I did go to his house and we, we became friends after shooting the movie and I did show him footage of the film and he was very pleased with uh-huh. what, what, what he saw he saw his performance and he saw all the footage and stuff, and he just loved it. And he said, "This is this is just terrific," you know. So, and uh, I think it's a very fitting end, final picture for Kevin, because uh, you know he's done some great pictures, and he's mostly known, you know, for the invasion of the body snatchers uh, and uh, that Twilight Zone episode, "Long Live Walter Jameson." Right. But but uh, you know he's done other things. You know he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for Death of a Salesman. Oh, one yeah. of his very first roles in 1948, you know, so, right. I mean, he, the guy has an amazing body of work, uh, and, uh, you know, so Johnny X is a very fitting uh, tribute to, uh, and, you know, final picture for him. And I wanted to make Kevin look great, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to exploit him at all, and uh, I, I felt uh, I, it was just a little nerve-wracking having him on the set, because there were lots of problems we were having that particular day with camera issues, and things like that and we didn't get to shoot everything we wanted to but ultimately it worked out and it's and it's a nice little piece and it opens the movie <coughs> right. I, I don't remember the problems and I'm, I'm sure Kevin to me there we kind of you know yeah in the moment they're there but most actors uh, leave it behind after you leave set 
Well, because uh, you probably forgot this, Will, but because we uh, the camera would start and shut down, and we had to go send out for another camera. And while we were doing that, you know, we were having our lunch break early. But uh, we were supposed no to... recollection. Yeah, no recollection. <laughs> well, we were supposed. That's because you were, you know, talking to that girl. But, you know, after, no. no, I'm just messing. No, 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 no. Your wife, that girl, your wife. That's what I was yeah. trying to tell you. And anyway, um, so what happened? See, this has all gone wrong here. Uh, this interview has gone wrong with Paul Benell and Will Keenan. Anyway, um, here are two professional people make total asses of themselves in public. Anyway, no, it was wonderful because uh, here's the thing, you know, it's so funny how things work out. Kevin was supposed to come in at the end of the film. Remember the bubble where you see the queen come down? Yeah. Okay, that was supposed to be Kevin coming down saying, Aha, I see, Johnny, you finally learned your lesson, blah, 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 blah. Well, because we ran out of time and I only had Kevin for one day, I couldn't shoot that, so I recorded a voiceover. Anyway, script changed a little bit, flash forward six years later. Uh, turned out that voiceover wasn't going to work. I recorded Kevin's voice in 2010, uh, but at that point, his voice was very weak and it just wasn't sounding uh, it didn't match the old performance, so I had to think really quickly. So I came up with the Queen Betty character, and uh, you know, and Kevin uh, is in at the ending credits. But anyhow, that that's how that all worked out. I know this makes no sense to you whatsoever, but that's the story. <laughs> Cut that out. Cut that out. Did you get that? Did you get that six years later? Yeah, yes. I, I, that was you, the you thing. I was... story, right? Well, I told okay. Paul, I said, I'd seen the trailer a couple of years ago, and I was waiting for the film, and it never yeah. came. And yeah. then I yeah. heard that... It, and, really then I, that. <laughs> and, and then I heard about that. And then I remember that stuff. We'd be watching a movie, and she'd go, there's supposed to be this movie coming out, and it's a musical. And she'd tell me <laughs> everything she knew about it. So we were really excited that it... We're not going back, back like eight years, no, Paul? Well, at this point, I'll tell you what, uh, we, we shot some footage. We, we shot a, uh, a trailer. So we shot for a, w- uh, a little less than a week. Yeah, we, well, eight years ago. We shot 10, we shot ten days uh, in, in 2004, and I was making yeah. uh, what turned out to be the trailer. Yeah. And then when we raised and the money. Every year, every year, Paul would call me, and I'm sure the rest of the cast. Yeah. And be like, we're, we're going to do it this year. I got the money. We're going to go. It's a green light. And then, and then I, 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 the first two years, I was excited. And then uh, the third year, when he said it, I'm like, no problem, Paul. No one need me. And then the fifth year. And then the sixth year. <laughs> and, then, and then the seventh year, he called. And he said, no, this time it's real. I got the money. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And I actually tried to talk him out of, uh, of using me. And I said, look, man, it's been so long. Just, just cast somebody else. I wanted to do it, but I was in the middle of a, a bunch of other things. And I didn't believe him to be completely honest. I didn't believe he was going to be able to finish the movie. But uh, 12, years, 12 years later, look what we got. It's like the boy who cried wolf, you know. Yeah. But, but I'll tell you, I was very persistent, and I think I, I, I thought you all believed me when I would call you and go, well, how, how's your weight? You keeping your weight off? You know, your hair's still yeah, the same color? Yeah, but after the, after the second or third year, yeah. we, you know, we, well, stopped, we stopped believing you. I'm not, because we, not because we thought you were lying. Right. Just that we thought these, you know, the, the money guys were lying. But do you realize that I had to put my life on hold in a weird sort of way, and this is true. I basically just said, I'm not doing anything else in my life until I finish this doggone movie, because I'm determined to finish this movie. And I just, 
had so many nervous breakdowns and depressions and things happen to me during the course of span of six years, I couldn't understand why no one would give me the money to make a black and white uh, widescreen musical. It didn't make any sense to me, you know. I mean, those things are very popular. Look, you know. I mean, The Artist is a silent movie in black and white, not just one best picture from the Academy. So, you know. But didn't, uh, didn't Kodak stop making the film you were using while you were filming the movie? Yeah. Well, that's the funny thing, because I started shooting with the Plus X stock originally, and then when we got the money in 2010, I uh, went back, and a friend of mine emailed me and said, hey, uh, how are you going to finish Johnny X when they just discontinued that uh, black and white film stock? And I said, what? You know, <laughs> so I get on the phone to Kodak, and, it, and, and they confirmed it was true, and she wow. said, look, I'm going to try to get you, I'm going to pull what we have left from every Kodak branch, you know, and they had to get some as far away as France, which is why the artist didn't get it, you know. And uh, they had tried, actually. You know, the artist wanted to shoot on the Plus X, uh, but I bought the very, very last of the Plus X. So they really did me a big favor, and uh, uh, the artist went out and shot on uh, color stock, and they converted in a digital intermediate to, to black and white. But uh, Johnny X is a very, it's a true, pure black and white movie filmed on the very last of the Plus X 5231 Kodak uh, film stock. And it's a beautiful stock. It's been used traditionally throughout the years to, to film some of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, you know, in the 50s. And in the 40s, and, you know, Citizen Kane. And, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful stock, and they discontinued it now because they no one everyone's doing what the artist is doing. The artist shot on film, but they, they did a digital intermediate, and they just converted it over to color. They tested the black and white stock that was left. It's a grainier, higher-speed Kodak stock, and it's very flat and doesn't have the contrast of the Plus X. So naturally, you know, I could have made them a deal. They couldn't refuse, but, you know, they, they just didn't call me. I didn't hear from those guys. And plus, I didn't speak French. <laughs> well, there's that. Well, Does that I answer looks, that? It, well, I think it looks absolutely gorgeous. I mean, that's one of the, the selling points to me was just how pretty the film looks. And it really does. It pops. It, it is a, b- a very beautiful film, and, and, I, was, uh, and I finished it um, without uh, digital means. I did everything. Uh, I shot it on a film. I edited the original camera negative, and I made 35-millimeter film prints. And when I did my DCP, my digital, I scanned a fine-grain 35-millimeter print, a positive, so that it looks like a film when it's on the digital version. It's not a you know, digital-looking thing. So I'm very pleased with it uh, all the way around. Visually, it's uh, a very strong, you know, very nice-looking picture. It, it really And it is. doesn't help when you have great actors like Will Keenan and Creed Bratton and Kate Maberly and Deanna Joy Brooks and Jed Rowan and all those beautiful people, you know. They photograph so nice in black and white. They really do. It's, it was, it's really visually pleasing. And, and what a cast. I mean, that just had to be fantastic. And I'm glad, Will, that you stuck with it because I can't picture anyone else doing it now that I've, I've seen you in the role. Aww. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. And is, is there any rumor or truth to the tale, Will, that this is going to be your last movie? I mean, you said it was, and I don't know if that's something I you want to sign off on. I have not acted since on purpose. Huh. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, we're just going to have to do a Johnny X sequel then or something, you know, because, it, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you more than minimum wage. There's, no more, there's no more stock left. Yeah, I, yeah, ho, 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 you do, you do not know what I have lurking in my vault. I have 20,000 feet of Plus X. I have the last of the Plus X at, a, at Kodak's uh, film storage vault. 
in Burbank. 20,000 feet. 20,000 feet. That's enough to shoot a 20-minute section of film. If, if, <laughs> so if there's anybody out there that wants to make me a deal and wants to shoot the last short film on Plus X Doc, come to me. You know? Hey, you but obviously uh, my broker don't is well peanut and he gets a cut. You, know? you obviously don't know my audience. I have people out there that may take you up on that. <laughs> well, no, you know, it, it's, uh, no it's amazing. I've got it, you know. But well, uh, if I, I were to sell it, then I couldn't say I was the last Plus X film, so I probably wouldn't want to sell it. That's true. <laughs> well, I, I actually had one question I wanted to ask Will, because he had said that um, he didn't go back purposefully to, to watch the old films. But I wanted to know who you, what you based your character on, because he is very James Dean in a lot of ways, but there's a little bit more, you know, he's, he's a little bit of, yeah, there's some stuff going on in there. I just wondered where you got that from. You know, I showed uh, some of it to my mother, who said, this is, this is like you in, in real person, or, you know, from every, out of all the films that I had done that she had seen, she said it was most like me. <coughs> and when I said this true, that I've been cast as these really kind of crazy or loud characters, you know, schizophrenics, hermaphrodites, child molesters, <laughs> and, and really broad characters, some in comedy, uh, <laughs> And it was it, it was this role where I could finally get to play uh, something a little close closer to myself, uh, but also you know a role that wasn't being offered me that excited me. So I just kind of was you know almost method. It was kind of an internal uh, you know process where I came you know where I formulated the character. But it, it wasn't that much work because because I'm used to having to do a lot more with the character. And this one, I could be a little more nuanced, a little, a little more subtle, and a little more real, you know. So just kind of, you know, yeah, flow from there. And I think that if he had played it um, really broad or, or kind of campy, then that would have destroyed the whole credibility uh, and believability of, of these characters, you know. And I right. think the movie works on a on kind of a real level. You, you you expect it from seeing the trailer. I think people are expecting to see this broad kind of campy thing. But then when you start watching the movie, you realize it's really not necessarily a funny film. I mean, it doesn't have a funny overview. I mean, it, it's, it's just kind of like a serious sub, a subtext in there, you know? Yeah, yeah there's definitely I, funny moments. Yeah, like when I slip and fall on a banana peel off screen. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> well, I think there's definitely some t- tongue-in-cheek, and, but it is more homage than satire, and I think that's part of what makes it so charming. And, right. um there's the, I I just want to urge everyone when this releases to go see it because films like this we we really want to support as a community and we really want to support as fans and movie watchers so um, I just want to thank you both for ma- for sticking with it and making such an entertaining film that it's such a unique film it's it's uh, difficult for us jaded movie watchers to find something that <laughs> captures our imagination. Only Paul Bunnell could have made this movie. And only Will Keenan would be dumb enough to want to be in this movie. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, do, do you have a, a final question? I would love for you to ask me, like, what kind of books I like to read. You know, do you, do you guys <laughs> want to ask me that question? <laughs> what kind of books do you like to read, Paul and Will? Well, well, one of my top ten is called Filmmaking for Dummies. That's one of my big ones. You know? <laughs> okay, I got that. waiting to say that. Yeah. I'll play with jokes. <laughs> 
for the past half hour. I rehearsed that, and I rehearsed it, and you girls didn't ask it. Now, I'm, I'm very upset. I'm still so making the dummies. Well, yeah. we thought Will Keenan was running the interview just fine. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, Will, you can do your own show on, on Jackalope for sure, you know. Do uh, it. <laughs> can I just say that this is premiering at the Cinequest Film Festival on March 3rd, 2012, and Will Keenan will be there in person if you want to meet the man, the myth, the legend. And uh, Mr. Creed Bratton will be there, and Kate Maberly is coming all the way from England. She will be there. And Kate, the pregnant co-star. Yes, and well, no, she will not be there. She'll be uh, in. Uh, she'll be in production on her own uh, thing. You know, <laughs> giving birth. Giving birth. And what's the website? Uh, the website is uh, www.johnnyxmovie.com. Yes. And I have to tell you guys, like I, I, I told this to Paul earlier, um, I posted the trailer on our Facebook page, and we okay. had people going, I need this in my life now. So that's oh. the kind of, I'm not kidding when I say I have people that listen to us, read our stuff, that this is their movie. So you will have an audience for this film. Well, or if I'll I may just say, that, that, that's awesome. And, and I want to say uh, in all seriousness here, uh, you know, I actually did make this movie... Uh, for people out there who would want to make this their film. I, I want to, you know, I, I didn't really do it for me, although I did it for me, but I mean, I'm hoping, because I love movies so much, I want people to be able to discover this movie and say, oh my goodness, I love this film, this is my film, you know, have the poster up on their wall, be a fan, watch it and revisit it from time to time like an old friend. And, and I think that this picture, <laughs> no, I know that sounds corny, but I think this picture is going to outlive me and uh, maybe Will Keenan. And you know, and it's really going to be, uh, yeah. And no, I think I think this picture is going to be around for a while. And the fact that I did it on film and preserved it on film, um, it's going to be coming from a time, a period of indie films that are mostly shot on digital. And some of those digital filmmakers are not going to preserve them or archive them on on celluloid. So here we have a picture shot on film that's been archived on film and will be around for years to come because I made it happen. <laughs> and after well that, I think. I, um, and I, that's I think, all I'm gonna say about that. I, I think that that's the best way we could end this episode of the show with that. That that truly is, and and that's the case. You're you are obviously a film lover, and I know Will is. Uh, and you guys have made something awesome, and and it's something that that film lovers like myself who love these old school films, and 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 get what you're doing with this are going to appreciate and um we uh, yeah like i said i'll try try and getting the word out for johnny x well thank so. you so much and you know where to send the checks right i mean you got that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and also before you send the checks um you know make it out to my real name mud <laughs> down the spell backwards okay well i wasted enough of your time uh it's been beautiful ladies i really appreciate this opportunity it's been a sincere sensation from my bottom to my heart i thank you oh so much thank you well, and, and when when the dvd is released we'd love to have you guys back on the show you betcha sure. awesome you betcha well, thank you All so right. much thanks for having me thank you send thank us you a link will. okay we'll do we'll do you. hey well sorry if i if i said anything that offended you Oh, <laughs> yeah, I like the line about the midgets, you know. I know you're rather short, but I didn't mean that as a direct thing to you. <laughs> he'll kill me later. Yes, he'll, okay, he'll girls, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Bye-bye. see you later, Will. Bye-bye. <laughs> 
And there you have it, guys. Will Kemp and Paul Bamel. And uh, please go. feel free to go see um, the film when it premieres this weekend. Uh, support Johnny X. So uh, once again, thank you guys. Um, thank you to Paul and Will for coming on and turning this into an Abbott and Costello routine, which was awesome. <laughs>